Hey there, welcome to Every Night's a School Night. A little punctuation at the end of the rambling sentence that is night school. That's really how I see this show, how I see this radio, pseudo-radio, whatever it is. Whatever. I mean, if you play music and you talk on a recording like this, I think that counts as some sort of radio. And if it's pseudo-radio, I'm okay with that too. It's the fake breast of radio. That's what it is. Pseudo-radio. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I do see this show as punctuation at the end of a, the rambling night school sentence or paragraph. I don't know what, what form of punctuation this is, what form of punctuation every night's a school night is, I don't know. A period, a question mark, an exclamation point, all of the above, some new form of punctuation. You know, we've kind of accepted that we have all the punctuation we need. Oh, we got it. We got it all. We can express everything with these symbols. You know, we got that mindset. And, you know, it would be audacious to try to invent new punctuation. You know, people had problem with Prince referring to himself with a symbol. Just imagine the person who tries to invent new punctuation. And I'm all about creating your own symbols. I'm all about creating your own esoteric forms of expression. But even I might have problem with that a problem with that person who tries to invent their own new punctuation. But I think it's possible. It just has to be the right thing. When we're going to be ready for that, I don't know. I mean, we're going through a lot of changes. We're going through a lot of global psychic changes. And uh, you know, that might very well lead to some sort of consensus that we need a new symbol to punctuate our sentences with. A lot has changed. You know, with the way technology has changed, just the way that we communicate, I think it's inevitable that we'll, we'll have new symbols to use. But really, I mean, it's, it, it's probably not going to be that new. We always come full circle. It's like emoticons, emojis whatever you want to call them. Uh, you know, it, those just end up being hieroglyphics. I'm not the first one to point that out, I know. But we just end up coming full circle where we have far more means to express ourselves, but then we end up going with simple little images, simple little icons. And that's completely fine. It's nice to come full circle. There's comfort to that. And speaking of comfort, I'm going to start things off with a nice domestic hymn. This is a domestic hymn. And country music sort of ventures into this territory, and this artist has done some country, Bobby Russell. This song I don't know, almost has a little bit of a ragtime sort of feel, and I don't like ragtime. But I feel that this, uh, you know, it has enough going on. It's just a, a generally catchy song fits into some just general pop category, I guess. It sounds like a, a product of its time. But Bobby Russell, Better Homes and Gardens, like the magazine. It's not just comfortable, though. It's not just domestic comfort, you know. It, it's about domestic dilemmas as well. And there are always d domestic dilemmas. Turns out being inside of four walls with a family produces many dilemmas. But that's the beauty of it, too. Domestic dilemmas, 
Here's a domestic hymn, a great one from Bobby Russell, Better Homes and Gardens. Twenty-five didn't make it. Better men, your better homes and gardens. Take the kids to the zoo. Spend the day with a PTA. She may think that's good. And I'm not saying that she'll forgive and let you right back in her world. She's not gonna flip, but when you got it licked, if she smiles, 'cause she's a good old girl, why don't you men your better homes and gardens? And take the kids out too. Hey, are you afraid the boys at the office will no longer call you stud? I'm afraid of anybody not calling me stud. I'm afraid of anybody not thinking I'm a stud. But yeah, that's a great song, one of my favorites. Among the favorite favorites, the hall, the great hall of favorite favorites. Not a lesser favorite, but a greater favorite. Bobby Russell, Better Homes and Gardens. That door swings both ways, my friend. She can be just as gone. The best deal that you ever had is sitting right there at home. People need to remember that. You know, people need to know that. And someday that song is going to be really strange to somebody. You know, talking about that idea of civilization, of human beings coming full circle, because part of the rotation of going full circle is that you get very far away for a while. You get very far out of orbit, and I feel like we're headed there. I mean, a lot of people would laugh at that song, that kind of domestic hymn. And we're going to get out of orbit, you know, people are going to get out of orbit, and then they're going to come back, and that song is going to make sense again. For a while, I, I fully expect that to be a very foreign idea. 
the idea of uh, even wanting to deal with a domestic dilemma. Because I think where people are at now, if the slightest dilemma comes up, they just they want to opt out. But I think you should treat any marriage, any relationship like an arranged marriage. Not some form of slavery like people make it out to be. But uh, your marriage was arranged by the Lord. Your parents might not have arranged it. You might have met on Tinder. You might have met on Tinder. But uh, the Lord arranged that. The Lord arranged your marriage whether you realize it or not. You might think you have free will. You might think you got free willy, whatever it is. But uh, you might think that. But, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is arranged one way or another. Just like your subscription to Better Homes and Gardens. You might think you subscribed, but that was arranged too. You got an arranged marriage and an arranged magazine subscription. But we're going to continue on uh, with a couple songs by a guy named Gary Stites. S-T-I-T-E-S. Stites. Gary Stites, and the first song is going to be Only a Fool Would Say. You know, what I love about that era is just how many songs have fool in the title. Not just in the lyrics, but in the title. There is a heavy emphasis on the word fool. And not just the word, but the idea. And it's almost always self-referential. The artists who sing about fools are more often than not referring to themselves. And if they're not referring to themselves, they're referring to some sort of hypothetical fool. And this song is referring to a hypothetical fool. Only a fool would say, I often feel like a fool. I often feel like a fool. And I enjoy feeling like a fool too. That's the thing. You will inevitably be a fool, so why not enjoy being a fool? Some fool philosophy there. You heard of fool's gold? Well, there's also fool philosophy. It turns out there's fool everything. Fool's gold? Fool everything. Fool's everything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're going to play Gary Stites, Only a Fool Would Say, a sweet song from a fool about a fool. <laughs> Say. 
you can think you're having a normal dinner here at home, the two of us, and um, all of a sudden he may burst out into tears during the middle of the dinner for seemingly no reason, just because of all the things that are going through his mind. No. one there was a little more sparse another gary stites song lonely for you from 1959 a good year a year that i didn't personally experience at least as i am now i mean it turns out you do get to experience years from before you were born because i can look back and i can listen to songs like gary stites there and i can experience some form of that year even though i was born 26 years later 26? Yeah, that's 26. Interesting to think that I was only, I was, it was only 26 years before I was born. 1959. It's almost like I was born in 1959. I was only born 26 years after 1959. It's practically being born then. Although, again, speaking of the cycles of history and, you know, with time, I mean, someone a thousand years from now who is reading my biography will I mean, I might as well have been born in 1959 to them. The virgin alien monks, my target demographic, they will look back and they will... 1985, 1959, there will be very little difference between those years in their 
virgin alien monk minds. But yeah, Only a Fool Would Say, that first one, though, by Gary Stites. You know, that's a trick song. I like a good trick song because, you know, here it is self-deprecating. You know, there's this idea of... uh, I mean, I guess it's not even self-deprecating. That song was less self-referential than I remembered listening back to it just now. Because as he says in the song, Only a fool would say what sort of fate would come our way. A fool doesn't sing a lyric like that. That kind of lyric is foreign to a fool, which is the name of my biography, foreign to a fool. But yeah, only a fool would say what sort of fate would come our way. Because I mean, that gets back to the idea of anxiety and fear. And you figure there's a level of audacity to that. It's foolish to think you know exactly what's going to happen. And uh, it's funny, too, because, you know, I've, I've been talking on night school recently about this idea of fear and faith being something of the inverse of each other. If not the antithesis, they're definitely on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to your disposition in life. Fear versus faith. Because they both involve things that you yourself may not be experiencing at that given moment. You have faith in something that isn't tangible, at least to you right now in any given moment. And the same is true for fear. Because if something is truly fearsome, I was going to say fearful, fearful, fearsome, are those synonyms, those mean the same thing? You know, but if fear is, if there's something to fear right here, right now, you better be responding to it in some way. You better be running, you better be fighting, you better be doing something. But anything beyond that is hypothetical. It's a fool's fear. Is that a fool's fear? That's the sequel to my biography. A fool's fear. Foreign to a fool and a fool's fear. But uh, yeah, there is a wisdom to that way of thinking. Only a fool would say what sort of fate would come our way. You know, there's no reason to assume you know exactly what's going to happen. Because even though there are patterns, even though there are cycles, even though there is some kind of predictability, especially if you're very tuned in, you still don't know. And even if life repeats, it also reinvents So something that is the same thing can come to you, can come to everyone in a new form. A new form of punctuation, maybe. Because that's a thing, too. There might very well come a time where we have a new form of punctuation. The new period. The new question mark. The new exclamation point. The new something we don't have a word for. But you know what? Even if it's new, it might still have the same purpose. It might, it might just have the same purpose that a period has. And everybody's like, oh my God, we, we, got, a new, we got a new form of punctuation. We got a new form of punctuation. It's, it's all new. We're a whole new people. And it turns out it actually has the same exact function and meaning as a period or a question mark. And we're just excited because it, it's a different form of decoration. So you have to be ready for that. When that new form of punctuation does come, its function might very well be the same as an existing form of punctuation. But only a fool would say for sure. Only a fool would say. That's the wisdom of that song. It's the wisdom of Gary Stites. 
And we're going to go here with a, a woman. We're going to play a song by a woman. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? We're going to play a song by a woman. Ann Barker. Ann Barker. And the song is I Hate to Admit It. Good song title, good song in general. Ann Barker with I Hate to Admit It. But at least she is admitting it. At least she's acknowledging it. You might hate to admit it. You might hate to acknowledge it. But follow Ann Barker and just admit it. Even though the song is called I Hate to Admit It, and she says I'll never admit it, the song itself is an admission. Interesting. In saying I hate to admit it, you're actually admitting it. It's not full-blown denial. It's not full-blown denial when you say I hate to admit it or I'll never admit it, because you are actually giving an admission by even saying that. But uh, we're going to continue on here, and we're going to play a, a Browns block. This is a long time coming. This is a very long time coming, and now, today, 
Friday, October 30th, the day before the Satano-Pagan holiday that we all know the name of. Hallelujah for Halloween. Halloween. Name of my daughter, Halloween. Get over here, Halloween. Hallelujah, it's Halloween is what a lot of people are saying. But, um, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to say about Halloween right now. But we are going to be playing a Browns block, long time coming. I'm excited to play it. The Browns were a country group, a vocal group, uh, siblings, as their name would imply. Although you can't assume. You can never assume that. You think about music, and there's so many people who claim to be siblings who aren't. There are so many weird tricks that people play, speaking of tricks. But the Browns were actually a brother and two sisters, and Jim Ed Brown, the, the male singer in the group, he did some solo work, which some people, people into country, are probably familiar with. But the Browns, definitely an American classic, not to be confused with the football team. But the, we're going to start out here, we're going to play three Browns songs, and we're going to start out with No Love at All. And then we're going to follow that up with a song written by the Leuven Brothers. One of the all-time favorite, favorite, favorites, the Leuven Brothers, wrote this song, The Weapon of Prayer, and the Browns did a, a dang good job at it. So it's exciting to play the Browns, who are great unto themselves, covering a song by the greats, the Leuven Brothers, especially The Weapon of Prayer. Powerful song. And then we're going to close out the Browns block here with You Can't Grow Peaches on a Cherry Tree. Wise. I mean, this song, it's profound, really. Listen to the lyrics. It's profound. It's about going with the grain. You know, it's about not trying to force something that isn't meant to be. Not being heavy-handed. Because you won't get the result you want. You can't grow them peaches on a cherry tree. And I feel like that idea applies down the board. I feel like there's a lot of people in our world today, in Western society for sure, who are trying their darndest to grow peaches on a cherry tree. And they'll tell you the science backs them up. They'll say the science is on my side. The science says that we can grow peaches on a cherry tree. You want to trust science, don't you? You want to trust science... But I, I think on a base level, we all know you can't grow peaches on a cherry tree. But try if you want. You know, if you want to pretend that cherries are peaches, feel free. I'm not out to tell anybody not to do that. I don't control the cherry trees. I don't control the peaches for that matter. But I think there is a certain acceptance there is a certain wisdom to understanding that some things aren't meant to be. And the harder you force them, the more waves you create. And then you get self-righteous about that because you can't back down. But anyway, that's a lot. That's me saying a lot about a song called You Can't Grow Peaches on a Cherry Tree. But in this case, it's referring to love, forcing a love that isn't meant to be. And that's a lesson a lot of people have to learn. Everybody's had a crush. I mean, it starts young. If you're lucky, it starts young. I mean, it's way better to experience, you know, some sort of one-sided 
crush or romance when you're young. And it can be frustrating, of course. It's even worse, though, when you're in a committed relationship. (laughs) You know, you can be in a committed relationship with somebody and be forcing it along, too. It's not just this sort of unrequited love where you're just fawning over somebody who doesn't even like you, who doesn't even want to give you a chance. It could be somebody, you could have ended up with this, this person and you're still trying to grow those peaches on a cherry tree. So you can end up in the same place a number of different ways. But here we go, the Browns block, a long time coming. I'm excited to play these songs. First, no love at all. Don't let his wishes sway you. Desire may betray you. And oh, how it hurts when you find there is no. Never lay our weapons down 
I don't know if they did, should have been students of astrology. Because he was always consulting astrologers. And therefore, uh, astrology would be much more easy to penetrate than the I Ching. Because uh, you could know Hitler is looking all the time at his own horoscope. Well, we have access to Hitler's horoscope. And so we know what he's thinking about. It. But you don't have access to what hexagram Mao Zedong threw when he decided to do something or other. Do, 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 do. Can't be loved unless you want to be. 
brutal, heavy-duty lyric there. Someday I will find a new love, but for you there will be no love. That's just a heavy-duty lyric. It's made even heavier by the fact that the song is so soft. If it was one of those sassy songs that tries to empower people, where it's like, uh, oh yeah, you know, uh, I'm single and loving it. I don't need you. I'm sing. I'm I'm gonna be single and I'm gonna love it and I don't need you. You know, people who sing that sort of stuff, the stuff young women listen to in a lot of cases. I don't know very many men who listen to that sort of stuff. Uh, maybe they do. Maybe it's just done in private. There's less spectacle involved. Uh, but uh, you know, if it was sort of sassy, you know, empowering sort of, that'd be one thing. But because it's such a soft, beautiful little tune, there, I think it's that lyric is that much more brutal. For you, there will be no love. But uh, we're gonna, you know, lift things up a little bit. We're gonna lift it up, and we're gonna, you know, this is a schoolboy show. This is a schoolboy show, as the name of the show implies. We might venture out elsewhere. We might leave the campus sometimes. We might even leave the campus sometimes, but we're still schoolboys. I'm still a schoolboy. There's only one. <laughs> I say I say we're, we're still schoolboys, but there's only one schoolboy here. And this song has school in the title right after school, but it's a, a nice little fun love song, and the artists are Freddie and Claire. Freddie and Claire. I like that. I like that it's a, a man and a woman, a young man and a woman. Uh, Freddie and Claire. I wonder if they're a couple. I don't even know. I don't even. I don't know if they're siblings. I don't know if they're a couple. I don't know anything about Freddie and Claire, except that I'm going to their party this weekend. You going to Freddie and Claire's? We're going to Freddie and Claire's party. I wasn't invited to Freddie and Claire's party. Were you invited to Freddie and Claire's party? It turns out you were. If you're listening right now, you were invited to Freddie and Claire's party. And you're going to hear them sing. They sing at their parties. The nice thing about going to Freddie and Claire's parties, where they are the hosts, is they sing to you. They sing to you. This is a beautiful little schoolboy, schoolgirl tune right after school.
teenagers they have some mature voices uh, that's what i love about going to their parties so what i love about freddie and claire's parties is that their voices are just so mature you almost forget you're a teenager you almost forget you're a teenager when you're at those parties uh, but we're going to continue on with a you know there's a lot of groups from that era the 1950s and 60s that are so and so and so and so you know, Freddie and Claire, I mean, a famous group, uh, you know, did that instrumental uh, sleepwalk, I believe it's called, Santo and Johnny. And we're going to have another one of those groups here, Rudy and Vince. Now, are they a couple or what? You think Rudy and Vince are a couple? Or are they brothers? Or are they both? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but Rudy and Vince, and this song is called Let's Carve Our Initials. Love that title. Let's carve our initials. Now, there's a time-honored practice, carving the initials of you and your loved one, you and your girl, into a tree. Very aggressive. Very cruel. There's a tree. There's a park here in Olympia, Olympia area, Tumwater. And uh, there's a tree that just, you know, some couple carved their initials into it. And since then, everybody has. And this poor tree is just completely mutilated. I don't even know if it's alive. This tree might have died. These people, they wanted to express their love so deeply that they dug deep wounds into the tree. And this tree is just covered. I don't know if it's better for everybody to put their initials on the same tree or if it's uh, better to spread them out and have a lot of trees with just a single set of a pair of initials on it. I don't know. I don't know what's better. But I do know that that's legally binding. So this is something a lot of kids don't know. They spend a lot of time on sex ed. They spend a lot of time on sex ed in school. And what they don't tell kids, and a lot of kids, you know, they're, they're just totally uh, surprised by this just shows you how little they're taught in school. But it's legally binding to carve your initials into a tree. It's more than marriage. We're not talking about marriage here. Marriage. <laughs> you think marriage is serious? You know, no, it's legally binding. Your souls are going to be united forever. Your souls are united forever if you carve your initials into a tree. So be careful. I know that you're hearing it from me for the first time. But at least somebody's telling you. But this song's downright psychotic. This song is genuinely psychotic. I still remember the first time I heard it. I was just laughing because it's, it's a good song, but it's downright psychotic. Because it really is psychotic to carve your initials. It is psychotic. Although one time I have to say it's funny to think about now because there's a bar that I used to go to all the time. And I, I had broken up with my girlfriend... And I was hanging out with a mutual friend of ours. 
And my girlfriend and I were kind of, we had broken up, but we were kind of talking still. And I was telling my friend and she was like, you guys are going to end up back together. And we didn't, we didn't end up back together, but she just kind of got that feeling because my girlfriend and I were kind of, you know, having some amicable talks after the fact. And then my friend, we were all drunk and my friend, she carved my initials and my ex-girlfriend's initials into this table. And I really appreciate the gesture. I really deeply appreciate the gesture, except for the fact that she legally bound my soul to this girl that I'm not even with anymore. That's the only problem. And the other problem is that I'm sure that somebody saw it. We have very unique initials, and I'm sure that somebody saw that and thought that I did it. <laughs> you know, like I did not carve those initials. I've never carved my initials into a tree. Although that begs a question, is there a legal loophole there? Because I wasn't the one who carved our initials into that table. Is that legally binding? And is it also a loophole if it's not a living tree? You know, if you carve your initials into a park bench or a table at a bar, is that as legally binding as carving your initials into a tree? Does that legally bind your souls? And if you think your soul isn't bound to the laws of our you know, material world, well, you're going to be in for a shock when you find out how many laws your soul is actually bound to. You're going to be in for a shock. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was horrifying in a way because I love my friend. She was, it was such a nice gesture based on the tone of our conversation. And I actually, I was really, I laughed and I thought it was great that she carved our initials. But then once I woke up the next morning and had to go to the same bar, at the very least, the staff saw it, who knew us, the staff of this bar, they knew us. And I just figured, I just imagined my ex-girlfriend sitting down at this table and just kind of, you know, granted there was, there were other carvings and it was just in the corner, but I was just imagining anybody who knows us or her herself just sitting there and seeing our initials and thinking, oh my God, Eric. Eric's a sad sack. I already knew he was a sad sack, a sad sick. I always, I already knew he was a sad sack, but uh, this just, uh, I didn't know that he was this committed. I didn't know Eric was this committed to being a loser. You know, but it's funny. It's all funny, except for later, later I scratched it out. Because I just, it was such a liability. And I don't know what happened in the interim. I don't know what happened in that period between it being carved and me scratching it out. But then my fear was when I was scratching it out, I was worried that the bartender was going to see me and then think that I was carving the thing I was scratching out right then. And this is how, you know, this might sound neurotic, but to me, this is what being hypervigilant is. It's considering all the possibilities. So I had to use my ma my little mailbox key, which is very sharp, to scratch this thing out while not appearing to be the one writing these initials initially. But so just something to consider if you're planning on scratching your initials into any kind of wood. And I'll, I need to do a little legal research here to figure out how legally binding it is if you yourself don't put the initials and if those initials are carved into a dead tree, a piece of dead wood. You know, I don't know if it has to be a living tree and if you yourself have to do it. But you should just avoid it all around unless you're willing to be legally committed in eternity 
because that's what carving your initials does. And Rudy and Vince will lay it out here for you. Rudy and Vince with Let's Carve Our Initials. Now you know. Now you know how that process works. You know, we often need to have things explained to us, especially when it involves the law of souls. The law of souls. Law of souls. And that was Rudy and Vince. And I was saving it until after the song, but that's Rudy Giuliani and Vince Vaughn. Rudy and Vince. Few people know this, but they had a singing career together. And they sang lyrics like, cut a little bark away, clean and make a square, carve a little more away, carve our initials right there. You know, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful to hear two very famous people get their start together. And I mean, more importantly than that, you know, Rudy Giuliani is known. He was a prosecutor, a mayor, and now I don't know what he is, but he's still there. But it makes sense that he would know about these laws, given that he was a prosecutor. He was one of the main guys who who took down the mafia in the 1980s, took down the big bosses. He at least took credit for it. And he deserves that credit because he knows the law of souls. He understands the law of souls. Rudy and Vince. But we're going to play a third school song here. This is actually turning out to be a school block, but a little bit different than our normal blocks because it's a disassembled school block. Normally, I don't offer commentary in between songs when I'm doing a block on every night's a school night. But in this case, commentary is required. 
And the reality is, you know, every block on this show is a school block. Every every night's a school night, and every song on here is played within the schoolhouse. Therefore, every every song on here is a school song, in a way. But very rarely do I play songs that are this explicitly about schools. You know, you have parental advisory, explicit content stickers on CDs. Well, this is explicit school content, explicit schoolhouse content. And this last song is a great one. This last song in the disassembled school block is by Carl Hamill Jr., not to be confused with Carl Hamill Sr., who I don't know. I don't know who Carl Hamill Sr. is, but it was necessary for Carl Hamill Jr. to include the junior in his performer name so as not to be confused with his father. And don't confuse him with the that famous actor, Mark Hamill, because it's spelled differently. It's H-A-M-M-E-L-L, not I-L-L. And if you're having trouble remembering that, just remember that Mark Hamill is ill. Ham-ill. Ham-ill. This is Ham-ell. Hamill. Ham-ell. However you say it. But the song is called Sittin' Alphabetically, not Sitting, Sittin' Alphabetically. And that was always fascinating because, you know, it makes sense. It makes sense that things are chronological. You know, it makes sense when things are ordered based on when they happen, the date that they happen. And it also makes sense to organize kids by their last name. Although it is funny that we don't organize kids by their first name. But it was just a given in some classes in certain situations that they would organize you in school based on your last name. And that would put you in close proximity to certain people. It's almost like you had your own little tribe. Like I remember if a girl had if a girl was even remotely attractive and her last name started with an S or a T, it would mean that she was going to be sitting near me or in line with me. And that was exciting. It was exciting when a girl uh, that you liked, a girl that was even remotely attractive, had a, a last name near you because that means you, you got to sit next to each other. But the downside is you might have a huge crush on a girl in school and they arrange you alphabetically. So, I mean, she has an A name. I have an S name. She's on the other side of the room and that sucks. Not that I would actually talk to her, but it still sucks to not even be in proximity. You know, that sucks. But this song, it's a great one. Sitting alphabetically. And as the song says, oh, it's agony to sit alphabetically. So this guy understands. And this is a concept I've never heard anybody else talk about, but I experienced it. I remember the agony of being arranged alphabetically and not sitting near the girl that I liked. And in this case, the guy is feeling that. He's singing that. Oh, it's agony to sit alphabetically. What a great lyric agony to sit alphabetically so it's, it's also psychotic just like let's carve our initials this one's psychotic too but this is good psychosis there's, a, there's such a thing as a good psychosis and these school songs this disassembled school block is filled with good psychosis if that's how you say it but uh, we're going to close it out with Carl Hamill Jr. Sitting alphabetically. Carl's Jr. here. Sitting alphabetically. Sitting 
the teacher couldn't see Behind that big geography She caught you holding hands with me Oh, it's agony to sit alphabetically Gee, it's agony to sit alphabetically A teacher must be feeling proud When she busted up our crowd Batting us from A to Z Oh, it's agony to sit alphabetically Gee, it's agony to sit alphabetically A teacher must be feeling proud Because she busted up our crowd Shattering us from A to Z Sitting alphabetically Just a quick correction here. I'm not above admitting mistakes, and I I said that his name was spelled with two L's. It's actually one L. I would have thought it was two L's. H H A M H A M E double L double hockey sticks, as they say. But it's actually one L. It's only one hockey stick. So it's even less like Mark Ham Ill. And then another interesting thing about that is the song's title is Sittin', not Sitting, but you could hear with the backing vocals there, they very clearly enunciate the G. And it's too bad I can't interview these guys. It's too bad I can't interview, you know, Carl Hamill and group. Because I would ask, you know, your song, the title is Sittin', with an apostrophe instead of a G. But I noticed that in the song, you enunciate the G. What led you to make that decision? And then also another thing I should clarify is that alphabetically in the song title is spelled alphabetic, as you would expect alphabetic to be spelled, and then apostrophe L-Y. So only one L and an apostrophe replacing the other L. So it's interesting that his name, it turns out, has one L, and they spelled alphabetically with one L, but so that you don't think it's a mistake, to clarify that it's not a mistake and it's deliberate, they replaced one of the L's with an apostrophe, as you would see in in a contraction. So it's an interesting decision for a song title, and I don't typically see that. I don't typically see people turn words like alphabetically into some form of contraction. I like the lyric, how could teachers act so small? <laughs> I like that he, it's, it's not just that he's upset that they're arranged alphabetically and he can't be near his girl. It's also like, how could teachers act so small? It's personal. He's, he's wondering, you know, what's wrong with that teacher? Um, but we're going to continue on here. Uh, you know, here we are a little over an hour. And now that these shows are so sporadic, with every night to school night episodes being so sporadic, I want these to have some duration. I want these to have some durability and duration to them. 
And this next artist is Little Dale. Little Dale. And I'm going to play two songs by Little Dale. And the first song is Marlene. And the second song is My Son is Home from Vietnam. And I love Vietnam-era country. I've played some Vietnam-era songs on this show in in a general country style. And there's just something about that that I like. Country artists singing about Vietnam. There was the, I think it was Ben Showalter, Hell in Vietnam. It's probably my favorite Vietnam country song. Uh, But this one's good too. My son is home from Vietnam. And you know what that tells us? You got to put the information together. You got to do the equation in your head. But that means little Dale is old enough to have a full-grown son who has already done a tour in Vietnam. So little Dale might not be young little Dale. He's old enough to have a son. Even if he had his son as a teenager, it means he's older than I would expect little Dale to be. But he's old enough to have a son who's home from Vietnam. Little Dale. Did you go away, little girl, little girl, you know our love was real, Marlene, Marlene, oh, Marlene. In your eyes Each day The sun is shining I see Your golden hair And when it's raining I see Marley, 
on the right side and then when you're tired of that you sleep on the left when you're tired of that you sleep on your back and when you're tired of that you sleep on your stomach and it is thus that the world goes round I've misread a telegram saying dear mom and dad I've just been released from the war in Vietnam and I'm waiting for you here At Port Norfolk, our ship was landed here today. Hey, taxi, please wait for me. Hey, taxi, have you room for me? Hey, Mr. Cabman, I've got him, my son, cause he's back from the war in Vietnam. Round and round in circles Trying to get a cab Sir, you see I haven't A nickel or a dime But I will give you My gold watch and chain If you take me to find my son He's come home from Vietnam Please, Mr. Cabman Don't turn me down Oh, Mr. Cabman Is your heart made of stone? Please, Mr. Cabman, make room for me. My son is home from Vietnam. Sir, it's been three years today since he'd gone to Vietnam. Protect our rights and liberty. Well, God only knows How much he means to me And I want to have him back home with me Please, Mr. Cabman, don't turn me down Oh, Mr. Cabman, is your heart made of stone? Please, Mr. Cabman, make room for me My son is home from Vietnam Yes, my son is home from Vietnam. Yeah, that, that was little Dale. Little Dale right there. Listen to little Dale. He's so happy his son's home from Vietnam. Little Dale. Little Dell. Little Dale. All right, we're going to play another song here. And uh, it's by Herb Essex and the Walters sisters. I guess there's no mistaking their relation. While Herb Essex might not be related to them, although he might. Maybe he's married to one of the Walters sisters. I don't know. He knows them somehow. Herb Essex, or as I call him, Herb. (laughs) Oh, your name is... It's one of those things, growing up, I would see Herb, or I would see Herb written you know, in the plant sense, and I would think it's, it was Herb. So now I'm going to call men named Herb, Herb, Herbert. It's not Herbert, it's Herbert, Herb Essex. 
and the Walters sisters, and this song is called Was It Make Believe? It's a good question. It's a good question. If you can ask yourself that, you might not be crazy. If you're self-aware to ask yourself if something is or isn't make-believe, you might not be crazy yet. You, you know, it reminds me of a line from uh, the song Ghostbusters. Uh, uh, I'm not afraid of no ghosts. Uh, there's a certain personality type, I think, uh, probably tends to be skeptical that wants to go into a supposed haunted house just to prove that there's nothing there. Yeah, and I think that's there too. I think sometimes people would be in our psychomantium and they would come out and say, nothing happened. He says, I want you to recognize the difference between a psychopath and a manic depressive or a schizophrenic or something. They don't know what all these things mean. And uh, especially the schizophrenic. Spoken that my love for her had died. 
Pretty baby, pretty baby, pretty baby. My darling little angel, by listening to your friends, I told you I will love you until the very end. My darling little angel, oh, won't you please come? Some shimmering slow doo-wop there. I always enjoy that approach. Just a slow stomp. Somebody stomping in slow motion with just a light slowly rotating. Like a lighthouse. You see a lighthouse in the distance and it's just slowly turning. The light is slowly rotating and then you get closer and you realize there's no lighthouse at all. There's just a strange light slowly rotating in thin air. That's what that slow doo-wop approach is like. Um, That one was by The Interiors. Speaking of domestic hymns, that sounds like a domestic name, The Interiors. I guess it could mean, they could be referring to the interior of your head, interior of your body. When I hear it, I think of the interior of a home. So maybe that's domestic doo-wop right there. And that song was Darling Little Angel. Just like fools, you know, just like the word fool comes up a lot in doo-wop and 50s, 60s songs, angel, of course, comes up over and over and over again. One of the more popular themes, fools and angels. And the way that it's depicted, too, the man is typically the fool and the woman is typically the angel. And that's how I see things. That's how I see things, too. Um, but uh, speaking of common doo-wop, common 1950s and 60s topics, and in particular words, another one is moon. And we have a full moon tomorrow on that satano-pagan holiday, Halloween. Hallelujah for Halloween, Halloween. It's also going to be a full moon, which I was told is the first Halloween full moon since 1944. And I'm not making that up. That sounds like something I would be making up, but I'm not. Somebody else might have made it up and told me because I heard it from another person. But that's interesting. And I'm a big fan of the moon, as everyone should be. And I like every phase of the moon, but I also, you know, it is significant when it's a full moon. I'm not too cool for a full moon, because there's no way to even be too cool for a full moon. It's not possible. It's a, a lie. You're lying if you even pretend that you're too cool to observe a full moon. And it's nice, too. Even if it's a foggy night and you can't see the full moon, or any moon, but in this case we're talking about full moon, full moons, uh, you know, you still know it's there. You still know that it's up there somewhere when you can't see it, even when you can't see it. And we're going to close out this here October 30th, Friday, every night to school night with a double moon song closer. And first we're going to play Joe Walls and the Midnighters with the song Where is the Moon? 
It's a question that you ask when it's foggy out, as I was just talking about. When you can't see the moon, you'll ask, where is the moon? And I like the, the great name for a group, Joe Walls. Joe Walls, W-A double hockey sticks S. And his group is called the Midnighters. And it makes sense they would be asking where the moon is, considering they're Midnighters. What's a Midnighter to do without a clear sight of the moon? Midnight is moon time. So Where is the Moon by Joe Walls and the Midnighters. And then we're going to close that out with the frets. This is an answer to that question. This is an answer to the question, where is the moon? And the frets answer that with full moon above. And I may have played this before. I didn't have it on my list. I keep close track of songs that I've played on here before because I like I like the playlist to be mostly fresh. They don't have to be 100% fresh, but I try to keep the playlist pretty fresh. I try to make each episode an experience unto itself, even if there are similar words and themes. But Full Moon Above, even if I've played this one before and I just didn't write it down, if I didn't note it, it's worth playing again. Anytime there's a full moon, I think it's worth playing a song, Full Moon Above. And it's worth forgetting about it after the fact. You can forget that you even heard the song, and then revisit it upon the next full moon like you never even heard it before. Especially if somebody's asking the question, where is the moon? You can always answer it with, full moon above. Uh, yeah, this is the end of Every Night's a School Night. I believe number 79, here we are approaching 80, another milestone, slowly coming along, reaching another another 10. Here's to another 10. And uh, so where is the moon? Followed by the frets, full moon above. Oh, where is that big old moon tonight? 
stars up above People have called me here to electrocute me, judge me, put me in jail, or kill me, electrocute me because of some of the sins I've been in. Is this a new feeling for you? The main thing is don't get excited, but the thing is, is uh, it's not a new feeling, no. picture's got a headache. Can you tell me more about that? The picture has a headache? Could you? You want to know? Yes, I do. 
Okay, when a sperm and an egg go together to make a baby, only one sperm goes up in the egg. And when they touch, there's two contact points that touch before any other two. And then it's carried up into the egg. And when they fuse, it's like nuclear fusion, except it's human fusion. There's a mass loss of the proton. One heat abstraction goes up in the electron, spins around, comes back down into the proton to form the mind, and the mind can be reduced to one atom. is mine. 